2000年の歴史を刻み受け継がれてきた恐るべき暗殺犬があったその名を北斗神剣天空に連なる7つの星のもと一子相伝の北斗神剣をめぐって悲劇は繰り返されるアニメ is a vast and varied medium, and if you're not already familiar, it can be daunting to find something you might be interested in watching. This is a podcast where three average anime enjoyers introduce their uninitiated co-host to their favorite anime touchstones, so he can join them deep in the weeds. This week we watched Fist of the North Star, known in Japan as Hokuto no Ken. Fist of the North Star is a manga series written by Borunson and illustrated by Tetsuo Hara. It was published in Weekly Shonen Jump from 1983 to 1988. It was adapted into two anime television series produced by Toei Animation, which aired from 1984 through 1988, comprising a combined 152 episodes. It has since spawned a media franchise, including films, OVAs, novels, video games, a stage musical, and pachinko machines. The manga has sold over 100 million copies, making it one of the best-selling manga series of all time. The series is also considered one of the most influential manga series of all time. Set on a post-apocalyptic earth after a nuclear war, the story centers on a warrior named Kenshiro, the successor of a deadly martial art known as Hokuto Shinken. Which gives him the ability to kill his opponents by striking their vital points, often resulting in a violent and gory death. Kenshiro dedicates his life to fighting against the various gangs, bandits, and warlords who threaten the lives of the defenseless and innocent, as well as rival martial artists. We watched four episodes. Episodes 1, 25, 44, and 47 of 152, as previously stated. <laughs> Do, do y'all need me to explain my selection process again? Nope. Okay. Tell us about the One Punch Man. <laughs> okay, so yeah, uh, his name's Saitama. He's bald.、Uh, he <laughs> ran 100 kilometers every day and did 100 push ups, and、uh, he worked so hard that he went bald.、Um, <laughs> and he's、uh, the, the character design is based on a pun of Anpan Man, who is a、uh, bread mascot. Fair. So、I figure we can't call this one fist man.、Uh, I mean, he has two fists. He does have two. Exactly. With them multiple times. And I mean, also, like, his signature move is the Okuto Hyakuretsuken, which is the hundred crack fist. So even then, it's like a hundred. <laughs> I thought his signature move was, was the thing I'll bring up later after we get through the description of episode one. <laughs> And I know at least two of you know exactly what I'm referring to. Alright, l so let's jump into episode one. God or devil, the mightiest man appears in hell. This show has great episode titles. Just like with, with Shin vs. Neo, we have this、uh, pattern of every episode has two, two titles. It's to you draw know, you I, in.、Uh-huh. Well, 
I know that DBZ had that, but you know, when it came to uh, localization, they did away with that. But when Dragon Ball Super came out, they absolutely introduced this. So I know Bob is at least tangentially familiar with the double title styling. Just two sentences. It's a it's a start with two sentences. It's like a joke. It's a setup and a punchline, but they're unrelated, mm-hmm. so it's a non sequitur. A one punchline. Uh. Thank you. <laughs> All right, walk us walk us through the episode. It's, it's, All right, so I hear I, it's still fresh on your mind. Yes, I actually finished watching it shortly before the podcast, and I've come to realize something that's fun for me is uh, causing my two co-hosts to go, ugh. So, here we go. Mm-hmm, hmm <laughs> three-minute explanation. Great. Uh. <laughs> Great. You guys get to fill it in. So we are introduced to a man who, or no, we're introduced to a world that got blown up, and all that's left is sand and desert, and everything that matters doesn't matter anymore outside of water, food, and driving around like you're on the scene of Mad Max. Mm -hmm. Uh, We see a bunch of people who think it's cool to have the letter Z or Z, for those non-American, tattooed on their forehead, and they belong, eventually we find out, to a gang called Zed. Uh, they're chasing after this poor caravan with a cow that somehow gets to stay standing up, even though they're going at fairly fast speeds, uh, getting gas from who knows where. But they're going to, I'm assuming, the town that we end up going to. Uh, the Z crew rides up, kills everyone, uh, kidnaps the cow, uh, drinks the water while stopping it everywhere. Count up the cow. Poor thing. Um, sloppily drinks the water, which you would assume is bad, but no. Uh, but maybe it's just because they're bad men. And that's so just the opening. you're telling me he's thirsty? Oh, the mm, thirst traps, I tell you. Everyone's thirsty. <laughs> happy Pride Month, by the way. <laughs> oh, yes, Happy Pride Month. Pick. Uh, we are introduced to who we find out is the protagonist, um, who is wandering through the desert, dying of thirst. Uh, he, in fact, collapsed, but because uh, Mufasa's sister appears into the sunset, gets back up and continues moving on. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. He's I... not technically wrong. Oh, it's a little wrong. Um, I have definitely made a bunch of uh, points in my notes for, like, editor's notes of, like, things that are Oh, so no reference to Disney? No. Well... No, well, buckle up. Uh, Non-branded. Does Disney own like the? Disney owns everything. Some my friend. Disney owns everything. Some fork of Hokuto no Ken at this point. Who knows? Um. So the blonde guy is Ken's former like bestie. Uh, the oh, the girl is Yuria. And the reason that he's alone wandering is because, like, the last thing that happened to him, I want to say it was, like, a year or less ago uh, in terms of the show, is Shin uh, stole Yuria and, like, was basically, like, torturing Ken to be like, Yuria, if you don't go out with me, I will keep torturing him. So she finally gave in and was like, all right, I... Stop hurting Ken, I'll I'll go with you. And Ken has not seen either since. And, uh, yeah. Then we've come upon him wandering. Alright. Because of this... 
because of the no motivation created by a phantasm in this guy, he makes it to the town that is the town of niceness and happiness, where they let little girls run around and water dogs, once again, assuming that water is rare, she can do whatever she wants, and they're growing tomatoes. It's because she's cute. She is cute, I will grant that. Uh, and the puppy's tolerable. <laughs> the puppy freaks Bob, me one out, of these honestly. Days, Bob, one of these days we're going to get you to admit puppies are adorable. No, this puppy freaks me out. This puppy's it's, got something going on. Its face is weird. This puppy survived the Antarctic to get to, you know, the main population in time for the main population yeah. to not be an issue. And, you, and if what, you get that reference, more power to you. Without too much giving away, that puppy also never ages. It's a little weird. But, uh... Waiting to anyway. blame it on the, the radiation. I'm also sure... Yeah, there's a lot to... There's a lot to blame on radiation. But also, I think, uh, like, the entire course of the show is actually supposed to take place in, like, less than a year, so... Or they're just The Simpsons. Anyway! Well, I, I will say, like, maybe the majority of it, because I did kind of look ahead at some of the future episodes just to get an idea of what was in store because, you know, I don't care about spoilers personally. <laughs> so I'm like, draw me in more. And I know there is some kind of like period of I'm literal dumb. actual growth because some characters grow up literally. Yeah. that That's basically the season two <clears throat> of the second series is after a time scale. Sure. So we uh, see the village getting real upset because there's this kid who is stealing and, my assumption is he's done this several times because their solution is we're going to hang him. Which, considering this is post-apocalyptic, makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, they're getting... I forget his name. Like, Bat. It's a monosyllable. Yeah, Bat. The noted potato thief, rapscallion, and opportunist extraordinaire, Bat. Batman. He's not even my favorite character. <laughs> uh, so, while they're gathering up Bat to take him to jail to get hung, someone yells out, there's another thief, because little girls can slop water in front of dogs, but a man who's dying of thirst, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, so they take Ken here and put him in jail with Bat. Uh, which, which, by the way, while we're on the introduction of Bat, is it just me or does Bat have some, like, Lupin the Third wannabe vibes? A little bit. He, he may have watched the historical texts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's be honest. Anything that survived the apocalypse is going to be potentially viewed as once once you get far, generations enough away from the actual event is going to be just considered the historical texts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So while they're in the jail cell, uh, the little girl's like, "I'm nice to anything that looks a little weird." Uh, oh, I actually jumped over something, but I'll go back to it. Uh, and she wants to give him water, and Bat's like, this is our opportunity. Is mean to this poor little girl. I bring her up to the cage wall to try and get the keys, and Ken's like, no, and zaps him in one of his many pressure points. Mm -hmm. That makes his arm go numb. Which... Hit him in the funny bone. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and it wasn't funny. <laughs> uh, I laughed. It was hilarious, honestly. <laughs> The little girl is, like, impressed that, I'm assuming, and was so nice. So she gets some food and water, uh, leaves the keys because, you know, Z-Crew be rolling in because 
previously, and the part that I skipped over is uh, a couple of the uh, Zeds or Zeds tied up Ken and dragged him by his feet with a rope, and he's like, nah uh uh, and kills them mm-hmm. by blowing their heads up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> giving one to live somehow, but perfectly timed so his head blows up later on. Just enough to say, North Star. And everyone being confused, except for the audience going, that's the name of the show! He said the thing! <laughs> that's also Polaris from the X-Men. Yes. Uh, great. Now you have me thrown off of that. Uh, we go back. Success. We go back, and the big bad leader of the Zed group is showing up. He's like, you killed our people. And I'm going to kill the little girl while he's holding her above his head. And, of course, um, oh, you, Ken being... You skipped a whole nother piece. what I skip? Um, When uh, uh, Lynn comes back... Uh, that's right, that's her name. Yeah, uh, when Lynn comes back and Bat sort of tactlessly reveals her whole backstory. Oh, yeah, where she can't talk. And... Actually, that's a good point, because it brings me up to, like, so many other issues. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> he uses the blue force of his techniques to heal her so she can talk, because she was so traumatized by watching her parents get killed from mysterious force, <laughs> we see you later, uh, that he chooses not to talk until he heals her physically, even though it sounds like it's a mental issue, whatever. Uh, he has the ability to heal. In four episodes, this is the only time. Uh, I saw. Uh, unblock some chi, I'm guessing. There's a. I have notes later about uh, a character for whom this comes far more into play. But we just didn't mm-hmm. hang around with that character in this election. Uh, yes. So there, or the head of the Zed is holding Lin above his head, and fist of the North Star can goes all. Bruce Lee on everyone, hitting pressure points, making people explode. And it's gory and not gory at the same time because there's no real blood per se. It's like they're all made out of goop. Mm -hmm. Explode like weird slime pinatas. Yeah, they distorted heads. Silhouette it and stuff so like you're not seeing it directly. Well, you see the head distortion, which is interesting. (laughs) And also, it would be a bad day. Uh, blood being censored by turning it into white goop instead of red goop, and you just go, mm, is that better, actually? Oh, it's actually kind of a little more creepy. <laughs> uh, They're all filled with milk. Oh, they got that thick milk. Yep. So, Ken takes on the head Z directly, uh, decides to give him a, a massage to save Lynn, because, you know, happy pride. Uh, and the leader of the seeds like you barely touched me and said the thing that I didn't realize was from this show. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Bob, you where have you heard that already thing dead. Uh, most recently in uh, Magic: The Gathering. <laughs> oh right. Uh, it's it's been referenced in many a video game, mm-hmm. many a movie. It's nice to see its origin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I was really hoping you'd pick up on it from there. Uh, that was a treat for me. Uh, and, like, the whole first arc or two of this show, he does say that, like, once every episode, so that's, you know... And, in case and you weren't aware. 
they follow it up with the the perfect anime meme of all time. Nani? <laughs> Uh, the Zedlier is taken out, Lynn is saved, and I want to say, is it this one where they rip his shirt off and Leader notices that uh, Anne has some marks on his body mm-hmm. uh, in the shape of Big Dipper, uh, which is the mark of the North Star, which means death is approaching. So Ken chooses to leave, that way no one in town is in trouble. And Bat goes with him because he wants to take advantage of how strong he is and get free stuff. And Lynn wants to, but the leader's like, no, he's leaving that way. We can live. Thus ends episode one. I think. Yeah, that's yeah. the end of episode one. My favorite setup for stories are extremely competent man just minding his own business, wanders in and solves problems for people and then wanders out again. <laughs> Yeah, Lone Wolf Sans Cub is very good. I love, like, right off the bat, they they set up sort of, like, one of the, the morals of the show, which is that um, strength is... Yeah, I wrote that on my note. Uh, strength is uh, a factor of taking care of the weak, not taking advantage of the weak. Um, because the, the whole scene in the jail when... Like Ken is stopping Bat and helping out Lynn, and just like, please, can I have some water? Please, please, can I have some more? Listen, I don't want to, I don't want to intrude you helping me out in the jail. But, um, and then when she finally throws him the keys and is like, I gotta go, but you're a good guy, you should escape. Like he doesn't need the keys. The barks were never stopping him. <laughs> oh my god, so good. It's so good. Yeah, Bot's, like, fumbling with the keys, and he looks over, and Ken's just like, I'm just gonna bend the bars and walk through them and destroy it. <laughs> it's it's like that scene in, um, oh, which Marvel movie was it, with Captain America just tearing the log in half? <laughs> it's like that, but a jail tale. <laughs> um, I mean, my I, I would just add in, since Bob picked up on it, yes, the... The, uh, you are already dead, what, meme, I was just, I knew it was there, I've known it's there, I remember seeing it there, it's just, it it, it always makes me happy just to see it in its, you know, uh, native habitat, as it were, where its point of origin, just because, like, the the long-lasting cultural implications that have come with it, Mm -hmm. I say implications, effect more would be appropriate, um, and again, I remember, Many, many a games of Magic the Gathering with Bob where I, I have said that and I'm like, no, no, surely he's forgotten. So Bob, you've truly made me happy that you remember that through all of these years. I am very happy that you are happy. I will, I will add on though, regarding the episode itself, my, my notes included a lot of, ah, so I see where, uh, JoJo's got a lot of its, you know, visual character design from. Mm-hmm. Mm, yes, yes. Yeah, this, Mad, this Mad Max series, very popular. Yeah, this series influenced um a lot of shows, which is oh, also yes. wild because it is just like, hey, we're just going to steal everything from Mad Max and then tell a Chinese martial arts <laughs> story to yeah. make a soap opera out <laughs> of it. It's like, yeah, all right. I, well, I will... oh, good. I have. 
uh, some facts I was going to talk more about, like the origins of the series and stuff later after. I don't know if you want it now or should I save those for the end? I mean, you got good ones about Mad Max comparisons because I think that is big right off the bat. I mean, I would... yeah, Mad Max 2 specifically. Um, Mad Max 2, Blade Runner, Akira, and the illustrations of artists Sid Mead and Frank Frazetta uh, were the inspiration points for the, the setting for the story. Um, the story originally was a 1980s present day setting with uh, Kenshiro originally being a teenager framed for a crime he did not commit. Hmm. Um, and that was like in the early concepts of it, but when he got hired to make the story and got paired up with um, uh, with the writer, they made it a whole new post-apocalyptic thing. And also good for calling out Bruce Lee because it's he specifically based him on Bruce Lee and uh, Yusaka Matsuda, uh, who was a martial artist in the 70s. It's one of the few popular martial artists that come to mind. Yeah. I won't, that's actually what I was going to say. Like, I know he was based on Bruce Lee, but I, maybe it's just because I recognize that this is drawing off of like Mad Max vibes mm-hmm. and inspiration. I, I saw Mel Gibson in the like facial design with the hair and <laughs> the attire. I'm like, well, I see ah. a lot of Bruce Lee with the eyebrows and the hairstyle. <laughs> True. Yeah. Like, like w- once the jacket and shirt disappear, I'm like, yes, I see Bruce Lee. When it, when it's on, I'm like, ah, Mad Max. Yeah. I, yeah. I recognize this. Um, Other jacket spikes. I'm going to throw this out, and nobody has to actually think about this right now, but is Fist of the North Star kind of the Simpsons of its genre? Because it, so much of what it is is, like, references and influenced by other things and, like, direct callbacks and homages. I would say no, because it's... It's more inspiration than reference. Yeah. I, I concur. I would say if you're going that route, then that makes JoJo's arguably Family Guy. See, I'm and I not feel like JoJo's. That. <laughs> but I would say I would say JoJo's is more Simpsons because it is definitely laying it out there with names like R E O Speedwagon or Robert E O Speedwagon <laughs> and cars. Whereas here it's no, these are completely original names and characters. It's just also happens to be an apocalyptic, uh, post-apocalyptic desert land, but we're not worried to get gas, just water. Also not Australia. That's kind of the thing about it though, right? Is because how many, like, I feel like this was kind of for our generation. Uh, but like how many things did you learn about from the Simpsons and then only later learned like, Oh, they were referencing something. So that idea of like, they're not spelling it out. They are just kind of doing it. And so I'm specifically talking about like the, the sort of aesthetics, the, um, the, I saw a note. I I forget exactly what it was because I'm not the info gremlin on the show, but like everything about Rao's design when we see him later is based on more like specific character design art. So this idea of just like, we are like, we are not spelling it out. We are just doing it in such a way that if you know the reference material, you go, yo, that's definitely Bruce Lee. That's definitely Mad Max, whatever. But if you don't know all that stuff, you can kind of just look at it and go like, Oh man. Yeah. It's like that thing from fist of the North star, not realizing that it's, you know, pulling from four or five, 12 other things on its own. 
if I may. He specifically pulled from Ultraman and Tiger Mask for creating interesting enemy designs. Mm -hmm. If I may, I see your point, but allow me to tweak it just slightly. Okay. Is this not, not the comedic level now, but the, the historical reference level? Mel Brooks. Because there's a lot of jokes in Mel Brooks. Sure, you can get haha it funny, but then if you take like five seconds or have any like passing knowledge in history, wait, I get that reference, and could it inspire more deeper dives in there? Mm. This thing is like I feel like so many things are poke a lot post poke poke. Mm, sorry. Go again. Yep. Sorry. Post apocalyptic wasteland settings. With, you know, macho dudes fighting a lot. That it's not really like a specific reference to things. It's just like. Fair. Yeah, I agree. I feel this is more derivative as opposed to referential. And possibly inspirational for future. Mm-hmm. Nick, I think you and I are uh, suffering under the burden of foreknowledge. We know what it is, therefore we see it. Maybe. See, I feel like bi- bias. That's what it is. I meant to say bias. When I think of Mel Brooks, I feel like they're ref- like you know, Mel Brooks plays in like genre settings, like Western or like um, you know history. And and I haven't seen mm-hmm. a lot of Mel Brooks, but like n- that's you know saying that like Mel Brooks and Gladiator are pulling from the same thing is different from saying like you know Mel Brooks pulled from Gladiator. You know. You know, not that that chronology works out, but I'm just trying to think of two things that put Romans in it. I, I get you. He, he, Mel Brooks may actually did pull from Ben Hur in uh, History of the World, so I mean, I wasn't going to make that reference, but yeah. that kind of fell through. So I, I see what you're saying, but you, one could argue this is definitely playing with a, a genre or a setting because post-apocalyptic. Flip side, are we watching this to say that they uh, rift? From these shows or that it was inspired by and thus continued I, on I feel like it definitely took drew inspiration I don't think it necessarily rift then it goes to intent your uh, Mel Brooks had the intent to pull from these whereas yeah. like, the fist did not Mel, Mel Brooks definitely has like a um, doing it in parody rather than doing yeah. it as, you know, it's like, oh, what was the cool thing? Let's do that too. But like to to sort of be in conversation with the piece that was referenced, I guess. Um listen, I'm just trying to say that uh the the last part of the Simpsons reference was also it actually really holds up today even in the face of the things that it inspired and were um iterations on top of it because when the uh, when the bandits walk up and say, "What do you want?" and Ken just cracks his knuckles in what I think is one of the best pieces of reused animations yeah. and anything, <laughs> um, with just the knuckle cracks. I'm just like, "Yeah, all right, that holds up. That is good today. That is as good today as I imagine it was back at the time. That is so good." Joe, some- do me a favor. What what year did this? What what, what year did um, Fist of the North Star's manga first come out? Uh, 83? You know what was a real missed opportunity, and I I understand why, because 1990X is the far future, quote-unquote, uh-huh. from that perspective. It was a real miss, you know, look at, retrospectively, and I kind of put this in my notes, so shame on me. 
if they had put 1980X, you could literally say, yeah, this is based on the historical destruction wrought by Chernobyl. Hmm. And, I mean, I mean Japanese and I'm not saying that... Sorry, go on. Oh, I was just, I was just gonna say, like, I'm not trying to be flippant about him. I'm like, that, because of the way history played out, like, that kind of would almost give it a sense of, like, ah, the reaction to a thing, and then you find out, oh no, it was almost, <laughs> tomorrow, Nick's, a Simpsons I, predicted it moment. I think in this case, and this is true for a lot of Japanese media, it's just they have that, like, nuclear awareness in oh, their, yeah. like, cultural zeitgeist, and also in the 80s, you've still got, like, you know, the Cold War going on and stuff, so that concept of a lot of media at that time had, like, post-apocalyptic type settings or discussions about the topic of it. Oh, yeah, no, I, I, believe me, I'm painfully aware of that. I just, my first reaction was, ah, yes, the far future of 1990X. I'm like, (laughs) you know, if if they'd only set it one decade back, they could have had something to really play around with historically and not realized it. And if they only waited uh, around for X years, then they would have been in the year 2000 X and this would have been uh, concurrent Mega with Man. Mega Man. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. Mega Man is responsible for Fist of the North Star. God, Punch Man. Um, damn it. You made a point that I wanted to talk about, but then I had to get my stupid Mega Man joke out. <laughs> um, Predicting the future, nuclear bombs, Chernobyl. Oh, oh. Um, the uh uh using nuclear stuff as a backdrop but i think in in very specifically like post-apocalyptic i do think the show makes good use of like using that backdrop to tie into central themes because there is a theme throughout this show about like you know the strong rule over the weak or is actually the greatest strength being empathetic. Like that's mm-hmm. like all of the heroes of this show, all the underdogs who, you know, you cheer for are the ones who end up being the most empathetic in, in a certain way or, or have the most empathy can use the most empathy. So it's a, um, and, and the idea of like putting it in a post-apocalyptic world where everyone sort of jumps to like, Oh, the setting for the world is strength rules all. It's like, no, we are engaging directly with that theme. So I, I feel like, you know, even if it was sort of picking it because that was a popular thing to set your your a popular setting for for media or whatever, I do think they do a good job telling a, a story that thrives in that specific setting. Oh, I wholeheartedly agree. Are we Shall we continue for- on? I, I was yeah, I was about <laughs> to say. Um, so before we go into the next episodes, how? I have my editor notes here on how much stuff we skipped. How much would people like to know about what we skipped? I mean, I'm you're you're asking the wrong person because I'm always a sucker for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, how much does it is it relevant to what happens in the next episode? Um. Okay, so the basically the entirety of. Um, basically the entire first arc is the, like, Ken chasing after Shin, uh, and, you know, pursuing, uh, him and pursuing Yuria and fighting through the multiple bandit gangs and lieutenants under Shin's command. Um, 
and we skip mm-hmm. off we skip over all of that this is like three episodes after that whole arc ends um arc two is basically where we meet ray and this is like the second episode of that mm-hmm. um but yeah so everything about shin and yuria is done with by the time we get into the second episode <laughs> does yuria die or does he just leave her Oh, I see. No, 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 no. Actually, leave it at suspense. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like one of the episodes that kind of answered that question. There's a there's a weird thing. To be oh, fair. They kind of do. Listen, they touch on it. There's a lot of plot weight around some of these ideas. Um, so gotcha. watch and find out for yourself, uh, listener at home. And Bob. Right. And Bob. <laughs> That's what the internet is for. Anyway, uh... Or you could watch the uh, 1980. Ooh, crap, where's my? Oh, my favorite year, night. Uh, 1986. They made a animated movie that covers basically that arc with Shin. Yes, I'm. I'm sorry. You mean 1980X? <laughs> no, I mean <laughs> 1986. Um, so yeah, if you don't feel like watching, you know, the whole show, but want to get a sense of it, the movie is a good place to do that. Not the live action one made in 1995, which doesn't exist. Aww. It's a hell of a thing. It's, yeah, we, we cannot address that now. We're already. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we've gone too deep. We're already so tangential. We cannot. Okay. <laughs> Hold All on. Right. We've gone too deep in the weaves. We need the machete. Get <laughs> it. The second episode we watched was episode 25, Sinners. Thy name is Fang Clan. This is an interesting episode because it's going for emotional weight. And I'm not as invested, but I can see where they're going with it. You open with Bat and Lynn walking around town uh, smelling stuff because that's a normal thing for children to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, they smell and they smell and they smell something good, which because they've never smelt it before, it's interesting that they can just uh, associate this with a good smell, but they come across the elder of the village making cake because it's Mamma Mia's birthday coming up. <laughs> oh, here we go again. <laughs> So, uh, she's all excited. She sees, uh, and who's just there looking all stern. And my favorite character, Ray. And, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay, good, okay, good. I think, yes. I think Bob likes this one. Uh, now Mama Mia's like, where's my brother? And they're like, oh, he went off out of the village. Reasons that we actually don't know. Uh, and she's like, oh no, poor Koo. So we queue out to Koo, who is riding back on his motorcycle, uh, because Koo be Koo, and uh, he had gotten something for his sister, spoiler alerts, uh, (laughs) for the birthday coming up, and he's all happy because he hadn't seen any of the snake clan around as he's riding back home. Cue obvious foreshadowing as a boulder rolls in front of him. Mm -hmm. Snake clan! And he's all, I'm going to stop you, and throws a toothpick at the main leader, who's like, <laughs> you messed with my face. He I do his... love it when a, when a character says, and nothing can possibly go wrong. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Something went wrong. <laughs> uh, so apparently every single person in the snake clan is going to come to the village because 
he had a toothpick stuck in his forehead. He made him bleed his goes. own blood. He must be punished. That is true. In fact, that's that what was they in say. My notes. <laughs> Simpsons did it. That's from Simpsons, right? <laughs> that was Zoolander. Oh, I so mean, it, w- it was also in Simpsons. Nelson said it. Oh God, you're right. This is the Simpsons. Uh-huh. <laughs> gotcha. So they bring the brother in front of everyone. It's like because I bled my own blood, he must bleed his own. Everyone just stands there and watches. I don't know if it's some sort of code of honor with Ken and Ray and every single person down to the dog, but they just watch this happen. So, uh, um, I, d- I do want to fill in, like, in the previous episode, Ken okay. had already slaughtered, like, a whole bunch of their boys. So it is less just for what COVID and more about um, the just huge amount of gang members that uh, Ken and Ray uh, killed. We're sending a message. Yeah. It's right outside the wall. Uh, Ken and Ray are capable of a little bit faster movement and could be like, no, 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 uh, because we lead into what happens to be the only episode I get to see Koo in because Mm -hmm. he is immediately killed Mm -hmm. by the boss leader. Thrown on the ground and they're like, this is the message. And they drive off, and Mama Mia's all stern, looking, I am a leader here, so I can't cry, but goes off and cries later, where the elder says it's okay. They come to find out that Ku went and got strawberries, because that is Mama Mia's favorite fruit. And according to the elder, a cake is not complete without strawberries. So... And then Lynn starts putting the strawberries on the cake and singing Happy and Birthday. And, and, and American... English. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. No, no. I have. I. I want to talk about that once we're done with this episode because there's a. Th- there's a thing I've noticed. Lynn, you're not helping anything. This is the scene oh, that she's... just has all the sadness all at once. Uh. So, uh, mommy is all sad, and both Ken or Ken's like, I'm gonna go take it out on the. No, I guess it's the Fang Clan. Look above your head, Bob. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh, I thought you were doing a gag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's the green of the leader really just put snake in my head. Uh-huh, the so, green uh, fur that snakes are known for having. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so Ken goes to Fane Clan's uh, headquarters and sees that Ray is already there because Ray is smart and kind and awesome. And has this real cool technique where he also screams because that's necessary in this show. Mm-hmm. He makes like fast slices through the air somehow, this technique, and just cuts people up. Uh, and's confused because I'm assuming last episode Ray comes across as, you know, dispassionate and self-centered. So he's, he's, cool. he's an immediate Vegeta. In when we are introduced to Ray, he is actually fighting alongside the Fang clan and he is like oh. their their hired muscle. But then as soon as he meets Ken, he's like, Oh, you seem way cooler than these fools and just instantly turn sides and, and starts hanging out with Ken in the village. Um but it's just like you were fighting with the bad guys, but now you're our friend? Okay, we don't trust you and like they keep him at arm's distance, so he is kind of a uh, uh, quiet and aloof, but just because nobody trusts him because he just <laughs> the first thing we learn about Ray turncoat. Okay, what now? <laughs> so, in a unique twist of humor, 
Ken and Ray have a conversation about how they're both here because they saw a lady's tears and they need to get revenge all in front of this clan where the leader's like, you understand we're going to kill you. They both look at him like, no. <laughs> and then go around knocking the entire clan out except for the leader. Uh, Ray doing his awesome slices, Ken doing his massages, and all of these people just go and die. Mm -hmm. uh, except for the leader, which Ken gets the... I think this is it's this episode where he does his pokey poke, and the leader's like, no, my father... Okay. Is it this episode? <clears throat> oh, good. Uh, so it is this episode. Kenshiro uses the move Okuto Shinju Kaiken, the North Star Thousand Armed Breaking Fist. Um, which... <laughs> this one is amazing because he doesn't actually hit him. He pulls, like, the little brother, I'm not punching you, I'm not punching you gag. He just punches very slowly a thousand times and then says the name of the attack and every punch lands at the exact same time and just explodes his man. Uh, that's us next episode. Uh, and... They return to town, and really, for the most part, that's this episode. Uh, Mommy, I have a few, cake. Yes, and Mama Mia has her cake. Uh, the few things I want to note that I recall is the lookout guy who Ken tangles up. We can find out where the hideout is. Mm -hmm. uh, and he... he so, uh, he, um, he, uh, Ken, uh, attacks the secret pressure point Shinpukumen, which is the pressure point that locks your arms behind your head and back and also if you take a step you'll explode. Which he tells him and oh, yeah. he takes the step. <laughs> I'm calling your bluff. Mm -hmm. And and that, Ray that carries bluff. around a cape. Yes, we get Ray's backstory. Which is very nice. Because um, he is awesome. I was going to say, do you, are, are we going to share that backstory right now? Seems like Go ahead. time. Um, I mean, it seems reasonable. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it's just just for the the scene at, at when he's finished telling it, because basically, um, Ray was away. I forget why, but then um, a gang of bandits came and killed his parents and stole his little sister on her wedding day, and he came back and basically saw the massacre, and the last thing his dad said before he died was that uh, his sister was stolen by a man with seven scars on his chest. Um, and so he's like, bum, and, bum, bum. He's, yeah, so he's like, and I will travel the world fighting until I kill the man with the seven scars. And then we just pan over to Ken and he's just like, uh oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, did anyone else when they saw this and again, maybe this is my fault for just inundating myself with memes and comedy and far too many irreverence or far too much irreverence. God, uh, a terrible uh -huh. sense. Did anyone else just at that moment expect him to put his hand to his chest and hear the end of Curb Your Enthusiasm's outro just start playing? But, um, bum, bum, Basically. I thought he was going to do full-on shifty eyes, just like, uh, uh, uh. Oh, man. Seven scars, that's that's wild. Who's heard of that? Pulling on his shirt collar like Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> takes knife to chest, gives new scar, eight scars. <laughs> no oh, problem. Couldn't be me. Yeah, wow, wild. Okay. Uh, um, no, these are birthmarks. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, and that's that episode. Yeah, these yeah. are my chicken pox scars. Yeah, you know, you gotta have that as a kid, otherwise the radiation gets you later. <laughs> yeah. Anyone could have had those scars. <laughs> Can we talk about how all village elders seem to have a uniform? They all do stupid things. Village elder just means, I guess, you're the cook. Uh-huh. No, vi- village elder, uh, knowledge is stored in a beard, and you have to wear purple. That's it. That's that's all you do. I I feel like, you know, in more recent years, you know, last decade or so, they've kind of dropped away from that aesthetic. But yeah, they're, for the longest time, it's like, village elder, you know what what he's dressing as. The colors might be different, but you know what you're getting. Long beard. Old man makes cakes. Um, apparently has strong feelings about strawberries. But no, you're not wrong. That way you know who the elder is. Now, I want to circle back, speaking of the cake, since I was so kind to bring it up myself. And we're going to talk <laughs> about Ray again, now that we're speaking of cake. Well, it's, well, it's wait, the cake okay. thing. It, not even the cake, it's the... Singing happy birthday at, like, the worst possible time Yeah, is a thing in anime. Because I can tell you, uh, those who haven't seen Mobile Suit Gundam, The Witch from Mercury, incredibly minor spoiler. In, if I remember correctly, definitely the, like, episode zero, but there's an episode later on when we have our main character, and they're dealing with birthday cakes and... Uh, singing happy birthday and you have a character going through some kind of incredible trauma, but someone is singing it to them in full English. Mm-hmm. That's a, just a real thing anime has just carried through in manga, obviously. So yeah, for generations of these media types, th- this is a thing they really love to go back for. It's like, if you're having a birthday, man, you're either having a really good time or you're having a, the worst time. There's something about this episode, like, like part of why this show works is because it, it it is a soap opera. It takes itself so <laughs> so seriously when so much of it is ridiculous. But like, really, this is an episode where they take the sadness and turn it up to a level of camp. You know, mm. it's just like, oh, like, like at least the dog didn't die. But come on, like, <laughs> like a different little kid who's gonna lose their doll or something like. All on the same day? Is this your same castle kick? Today was the birthday of my wedding. Like, what? (laughs) Today was the birthday of my wedding. My wedding turned one. The the boulder that they used to stop Koo was only two days away from retirement. (laughs) You know? like Yeah. So if you're having a... What what I take away from all this is if you're having a birthday in anime, uh, run. Mm Mm-hmm. I do want to talk a little more about Ray because uh, I think do that it. will be appreciated uh, among this group. No, I don't think Bob has any interest in that. But it's Ray, and he is cool. No, Bob doesn't care. Bob has made it clear he doesn't care about Ray. So okay for for the audience, for for the audience uh, and the audience solely. The rest of you can go, can go take a smoke break. Um, basically, um. We didn't get the full thing about it, but uh, part of the premise is that Ken not only knows, uh, you know, Hokuto Shin Ken, but he is the sole heir of this ancient Chinese assassination art. Um, not a martial art, it's an assassination art. Go figure. Um, I, 
I need to interject real quickly because all I can think of once you said that is those old detergent commercials, ancient Chinese martial art, huh? Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Just the way you said it. Please continue. It's not wrong. Um, but so, uh, there's this whole thing where, so, uh, Hokuto is the North Star. Um, pretty, and the, like he is the sole, uh, you know, inheritor of the North Star style. Pretty much every other major character we're going to meet in this show is a Nanto master. Nanto being the South Star. So Shin was a South Star master and Rei is a South Star master. So basically, um, uh, Hokuto and Nanto are like polar opposites, basically. Um, the, Literally. Yeah. Uh, well, because at, at one point they say it, um, uh, the thing about Hokuto is that it, um, because it is based on pressure points, so technically it's like a non-invasive acupuncture-based assassination art. You just use uh, your fingers as the needles, it's fine. Or your feet. In that first episode, he does hit people, like, three <laughs> dudes' pressure points with a single oh, roundhouse kick. Um, uh, I will say we skipped over an episode where he hits the pressure points of a tank. Don't worry about it. Um, hold, no. <laughs> hold on. Tell me more about the pressure points on a tank. I need to know. Um, uh, one of them is the little window that the driver looks through, so you want to punch there first. Um, okay, but, so the driver's eyes. Got it. So, um, but yeah, it, it is, uh, the, um, the Hokuto style is about, basically about, like, you know, manipulating the internals of your opponent. Hit them into pressure points, change the flow of their key or whatever, and make their head explodes. Or heal them. Or, you know, uh, allow them to overcome their PTSD and talk again. You know, it, it's, it is, it is a, a many, uh, many faceted art. Assassination art that lets you heal PTSD, you know? Um, but the the whole thing is that it the damage it does it damages the opponent from the inside out. Uh so this is important because now Nanto South Star uh is similarly the polar opposite in that it is a technique where it damages the opponent from the outside. Like most other forms of attacks known to man. I was just thinking like so like any attack. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so, uh, Ray is specifically, he is a Nanto master. He is the, oh, uh, I want to say he's like the flying heron style master. Waterfowl. Waterfowl. It translated as waterfowl. Yeah. Th- there's, the um, d- different episodes <laughs> translated differently, I believe. Yeah. Um, I forget which Shin was the, so, okay. Also, every South Star master has a specific star that they are assigned to um sort of like it's a weird kind of martial arts limited zodiac um, i'll say yeah i think they refer to it as like the southern cross don't they so southern cross is the capital city of shin's army oh, okay that's what i'm thinking of yeah that trust me i i got notes um that's <laughs> how i can keep this straight uh uh, uh what was the other important "Quote unquote important point here: South Star outside in Nanto stars. 
Oh, uh, something that was very hard for me to uh, reconcile with in only choosing four episodes is that I had to, in that first arc uh, of everything going after Shin, it is very, like, monster of the week. It is just like, hey, here's another guy. It's all out in the pursuit of Shin. It's all of that. It, it's it's honestly, like, way more uh, formulaic and, weirdly enough, less drama-heavy than everything from... Uh, the introduction of Ray going forwards. Uh, so that's kind of why I felt it was very skippable, but we did skip a number of uh, people demonstrating fighting styles that were not aligned under North or South stars. Uh, so just a short list. Um, there is the fighting style of having a tank. That is his fighting style. Um, <laughs> I love it. There is the, uh, assassination art of just throwing a lot of dynamite at your opponent. Um, just individual sticks, just chucking them. Uh, I mean, it works. Hold on. Wait a minute. Is this just the martial arts of being an armed, an armed militia? There is the assassination art of holding two knives and then have letting your cohorts fire you out of a cannon at your opponent. Like it's Barnum and Bailey, big top circus. Bucket list item. Um, and there's also the uh, martial arts style of being so fat that your opponent cannot reach your pressure points through all of your fat. I, think I win! Call it out. <laughs> These are, like, dramatically, and in terms of, like, what gets, or what has gotten me so invested in this show, the whole first arc is skippable. In terms of just seeing fights against dumb stuff, happen the first arc should not be missed <laughs> yeah no this actually sound uh, I, i've seen like various episodes of the series but never had the opportunity to really sit down and watch it you know start to finish this that that what you're describing though is absolutely my if g gundam wasn't a clear indicator of me like stupid fight things this is absolutely my kind of jam oh yeah it's I twice in my notes I had to take the or yeah I had to take note of when the episodes made me cry just from like all of the investment that I had as well as like just seeing it again I don't know this the part where Ray and Ken both show up in the Fang Leader camp and he's just like Ray what are you doing here and it's like oh I came to kill all of the Fang boys because they made a woman cry and Ken's just like but I came here to kill all the Fang boys because they made a woman cry and then they we just become best friends yeah they they might as well do the the commando hand grasp meme with the two big biceps I mean they're literally equipped for it so yeah yeah I so, so I, th- I think that's why the the point of Ray being a Nanto master is is fairly important because, like, not only is Ray super awesome, but there is sort of like an equivalence being laid out of North and South Star. So, like, him and Ken are peers in a way that uh, Ken has not had a peer at any other point in the show. So, this is the first character who is really like a bro to to Ken, and so like watching them fight side by side even though they come from you know polar opposite sides of the uh the martial arts spectrum that is that alone is just a great great piece going on okay i'm I'm done <laughs> it's all gonna be on the test later too bob i do like ray speaking of tests uh 
No, nobody's picking up what I'm putting down. Okay. I am. I'm just letting go. The transition to the next episode. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because, uh, (laughs) no, I got what you meant. All right. So, so go for it. The third episode we watched was episode 44. The death omen star shines. Keno, do you control even death? Uh, so once again, uh, I just, a quick note at the, we have now jumped over, um, like, three or four more arcs, including two cases of stolen identity and uh, one jailbreak. Oh, yeah. It shows. Yeah, uh, don't, don't worry about it. We we got all the important stuff. Ray is still here and awesome as hell, and now Toki is here. And oh, everyone yeah. is fine. Everyone's fine. Toki's the wizard, right? Jesus is here. Toki's Jesus. Toki's Japanese Jesus. Okay. Um, so... I was going to say, let's let's start talking about episodes, and then you tell me when you want to learn everything about Toki. <laughs> um, I was looking at Ray's wiki entry, and um, it does note it as the waterfowl fist, um, which is said to be the most elegant of the non the Nanto Seiken styles, and it represents the star of justice. Yes, um, actually, the the beauty of Ray's of martial art is the entire motivational force of a later arc that occurs and i love it and it that might actually be one of my favorite arcs ray is the best here's the thing kenshiro is fantastic but ray is anytime ray is on the screen is kind of when fist of north star is at his best as far as i'm concerned i agree (laughs) all right good man of taste i love it Considering this next episode starts with Mamma Mia hanging out with a wizard. Mm-hmm. Point to screen. And, That's Toki. Ah, uh, okay. So Toki was a, a wizard. Uh, yeah. Because I have declared it. Because uh-huh. he he sees stuff after he had that. Owl. Oh, I... Anyway. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. Uh, He's a pretty, wizard, Bob. Uh, oh, he's got an owl. Is the owl uh, named Alcor? Yeah. No, he had an Alcor. I love Alcor. That's my favorite genre. Your favorite subgenre of my, yeah. Uh, sorry again, real quick, Joe. Is Alcor a real star? Okay, uh, that's in my notes about um the North Star and the Big Dipper. If you want me to save that until because that's the what they refer to as the North Star is actually the North Star, isn't it? the end uh yeah let's save that for the end because it's a whole thing okay. <laughs> it's, we'll come back around to... it's a mini rant i have <laughs> all right excellent okay. good good okay good. anyway <laughs> uh so amia and uh toki the mystical long-haired hippie uh toki have decided that this, uh, that this episode should be dedicated <laughs> to uh ends uh you know get up to who he is for me, this is the introduction of his equal but arch nemesis, Rao. Right. To be confused with the other Rao. Uh, and they show them practicing their uh, old Fist of the North Star ways, uh, which is the martial arts form that you guys have mentioned several times, and I can't remember the name of, like, uh, South Fighting. Anyway... In an effort to show how amazing and strong they are, a clear leader of the fists 
brings in a tiger. And depending on how the tiger reacts, because this is just a normal thing to happen, um, shows your level of advancement. If the tiger senses anything, it will attack. Tiger goes before Ken and calms down. Uh, Sensing uh, what the leader says is it knows death. And uh, then goes to attack Rao, who Rao remembers, oh yes, this is a milk cow, tears off his head because it's thirsty. And the leader's like, oh, Tiger feared death, which is why it attacked. Uh, Leader says that Ken is the stronger one because of how the Tiger reacted to Ken. Is interested in Rao's fighting because Rao is so strong. Okay, so... Okay, I guess I... Okay. The This particular elder, you can tell he's an elder because he's in the oh. elder outfit. Yes. Um, <laughs> uniform. Uh, this is Ryukin. Ryukin is the previous sole inheritor of the Hokuto no Ken. The North Star fight? Yes. So, the whole thing is um, uh, Ken... Toki and Rao are all adopted brothers of Ryuken and they all train together and, and they were training up to the point where Ryuken could decide which one of them would become the single inheritor of the Hokuto no Ken style. Because like the wizard could fight? The wizard can fight. So there's a like I said, when you want me to just lore dump on Toki, you just pull the. No, 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 that's okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Wizard, yeah. Wizard um, but, uh, yes. So, like, uh, we go into another episode, but, like, the long story short is it basically came down to whether it would be Ken or whether it would be Rao. Uh, and Rao was clearly, like, the stronger and more vicious. Ken was actually sort of the runt of the, the brothers. Um, okay. But yes, it, it is the uh, Ken has like the disposition to inherit this specific art. That's why Ryukin is just like, damn. When Rao take that uh, took that tiger's head clean off, uh, that is not an assassination art. That's still wicked strong, but that ain't that ain't Hokuto. Uh, so 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 that's what that whole scene is. Is that is a flashback to. The brothers being tested, uh, another test to determine um, the North Star style inheritance. Because it only ever has one inheritor. Reasons we don't know. Or probably we'll find out. Who knows? Highlander rules. It's an ancient Chinese assassination art. That's just how those things work. Unless it's Uh, Nanto. Well, that's why Nanto has like 70 different styles. So that way everyone can have one. (laughs) Say, Bob, we... We gotta introduce you to the Highlander rules. We gotta get that rule set clear. It came out in fifth edition. One. Okay. Yeah, it, uh, w- one of the arcs we skipped over is where Sean Connery, Con- Sean Connery appears and uh, pretends to be a Spaniard. Uh, you you mean Zeppeli? Yes, Baron von Zeppelin. Yep. Uh, Ooh, okay. Uh, we switch stories over to Ken and Ray. Awesome. And going to a town to get supplies because they're going on a trip in their little rocket ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get there, and this village has been ransacked. And 
which is really bad, although it seems like it's probably more common than I realize in this particular area. They really should invest in some sort of uh, signs that say, just say no. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, they talked to someone who lived because they, you got to leave someone to live. That's just oddly that's true, because this is the second or third time that's happened. Uh, and they find out, oh no, bad guys. And it sounds like they're going back to the village they just left. Right, so uh, it was uh, Keno's advanced guard had hit this village and marched out of it towards Mamiya's village, which they had just come from. Or were also returning back to now that they had Toki in tow. So we switch stories back to Mamma Mia chatting with the wizard, and we learn a little more backstory about, uh, oh, how she looks so much like Arya? Can't think of her name. Yeah, yeah, uh, Yuria Morgendorfer. Thank you. And how she mattered so much to, like, these weird three guys, which apparently the bald elder just kept in a cave because they all lusted after her at the same time. No, Shin also left it after her. Basically, um, <laughs> so I, I realize what we have here is just an amazing, um, case of, uh, 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 narrative efficiency, uh, because by the time this show is over, there's going to be like at least eight different people all motivated by Yuria. So by fridging one woman, they managed to set eight different major characters into motion. I love, I just love that efficiency. I'll grant you that. Uh, everyone wants her. No one can have her. This um, is absolutely what happens when you're the one person with boobs in a group of nerds. Yes. Oh, wow. Also that. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, the 80s were a mentality, Bob. So, uh, no, not even. Get... I'm speaking from life experience. I was the Yuria of, like, several groups through my lifetime. Uh -huh. Hold on. Wait, Joe, are you dead? You have to tell us if you're dead. <laughs> no, I'm not dead, as far Is as I know. Are you safe? Are there refrigerators nearby? <laughs> are you a life-size My Best Friend doll? Don't worry, you'll get that joke. You'll get that joke if you yeah, watch the no. rest of the series. Yeah, that man. was good for me, I guess. <laughs> no, I got it. Mm. Okay. No, it was cool. It was a doll for kids, and then the because it was the same size as the kids, you could swap clothes with the doll and have tea parties where it was... Anyway. No, I'm showing that movie later this month. Grody. All right, let's go. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, they get through talking about their past life there with uh, the wizard. Uh, and Mama Mia points up to the sky. Oh, check it out. There's a star. And the wizard's like, holy crap, you're a wizard too. <laughs> because uh, that's apparently the Omen of Death star. Yes. Which is this show's way of saying someone's going to die this episode. If uh, that is a star that if you can see it, that is your omen that you will die within the year. Mm. Oh, which made uh, Wizard really sad. Uh -huh. No one likes a sad wizard. Toki has his own moment of just like, uh-oh, uh-oh, what'd you say? Uh-oh. Uh, cue back to the village because the bad guys finally made it there. Uh, everyone thought everything was fine because... You know, mail carriers still exist back then. 
they got a letter that everything was a-okay with Mamma Mia and the wizard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, my everyone. reaction to that was, holy shit, people could still read and write. <laughs> mm-hmm. So everyone's partying, Bat goes to the door and it's like, hey, yay, and everyone's dancing, and then the two lookouts die. Then the people standing with Bat die as the door starts collapsing and Bat starts running away. Hey, look out, everyone. And then Bat gets shot in the back. Yep. And I will ask the question because I do want to know because I am slightly invested in this character. Does Bat live? Yes, we see him in the next episode. Yeah, he's in the next episode. (laughs) I forgot. (laughs) Did you not finish your homework, Bob? I did it is a hell of a moment. Like this kid, it's really tragic. We've been it's like through forty episodes. Just you can't kill him. He's the comedy relief. He can't die. Yeah, you can only kill off characters that are copies of other characters and totally expendable. Also, oh, that's true. Uh, we didn't see this, uh, but Bat knows how to drive a jeep, and apparently Ken doesn't. So he's kind of the chauffeur of the group. <laughs> oh no. And I am a little out of order because I forgot that Mamma Mia got attacked by weird-looking lizard people. Yeah. That scene happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Seeker. Those were some creepy dudes. Chameleon men. They, uh, I was, those they are, all make the same the, noises. The it's neen, the neen, 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 neen. dude. <laughs> I was like, these I are... Yeah. I was like, these are traditional, crazy-eyed anime villains. With weird long tongues. on the wall. And, and Ken just them. happens up, Ken just happens upon them and, uh, to be fair, Mama Mia does pretty good with her bladed yo-yo. Mm-hmm. Uh, she trained in, a few of them. She trained in the Star Tropics. Uh, <laughs> uh, and Ken comes and saves her from the last one. She dispatches all of, wow, bad grammar. She dispatches all of them except for one looks like he's going to kill her slowly. Which I suppose is probably a very nice thing considering the alternatives. Mm-hmm. And he just comes and, you know, does his super face massage. And a uh, chameleon man's like, my eyes are still spinning. I'm dead. And dies. Mm-hmm. Which a weird phrase. So cue back to poor Bat, which we don't actually even see the rest of the episode. All the bad guys come into town to try to take things over. Uh, Lynn, right? that's the little girl's name. Yeah. Lynn, yeah, is hiding with a lady who I don't know. So wow. this, this is where I lean in and point at the screen and go, "That's Irie. That's uh, Ray's sister." We skipped uh, over the arc where they resolved that plot line by rescuing her. I'm glad she's better now so she can be in another village that gets ransacked because that's just what happens in this town. Also, Ken did more uh, positive punch magic on her and cured her uh, PTSD-induced blindness. So It's too bad it can't do anything physical and heal wounds, no. Just like the bad voodoo. Uh, He can't. He doesn't (laughs) use it for that. That would be horrible. Heaven forbid. That's not what he trained for. Who might still be alive soon? Uh, and the episode ends with, I'm assuming, Ken and Mamma Mia running back towards the town as well as Ray leaping through the sky, looking all cool, slicing up people as their body bits go flying behind him. And he's like, I'm awesome. And continues running on. He turns those boys into star stuff. 
god. <laughs> You're not wrong. And that is that episode is um running to save the village, which I can only assume is saved as we as you mentioned, see Bat later on. Well, you you miss a part where he like right before the credits roll, he just looks up at the sky and he's like, "Oh, I feel invigorated. I feel my spirit burning as bright as that weird little star next to the Big Dipper that I've never noticed before." Anyway, here oh, I go. Yeah, yeah. I, my, my, <laughs> no, my, notes, my notes for this entire episode end up with, "Why does everyone keep looking up? Everyone stop stargazing. It's unhealthy." A Viking invades the village, if I recall. Oh, boy. So. Yeah, I... Alright. This episode was kind of a more of a explanation of Ken, I feel like, and the introduction of Rao. Even though it sounds like there was a little bit more backstory with them. Yeah, th- there's, a, there's a lot more going on specifically with the brothers. Like, um, as soon as... Yuria uh, is rescued. That's when the show sort of turns into this story of Ken and his other brothers and the competition to be the successor of the Hokuto no Ken. Um, so we have gotten a lot of backstory on them leading up, but I thought this one was a really good one to um, j- just sort of honestly for the tiger scene. I was like, oh, it's going to be good for that, and it's going to introduce the Death Omen star, and it is another moment of just like. Uh, uh, a comedy of tragedies with everyone seeing the stupid star. Um, mm. But, uh, yeah. Um, let's see here. What do you need to know about Toki? Uh, let me see if I can give the abridged version. Uh, Toki was, like I said, one of the four brothers uh, up uh, on, on one of the options for succession. Um, he... He's, I think he, like, voluntarily ducked out and left Rao and Ken uh, because he was just... So, Toki is the one who said, oh, this is basically acupuncture. We could use this assassination art to heal people. So, he actually... He does get into fights at some points, but his whole thing is he does use, you know, Hukuto techniques to, like... Even the people he makes his head explodes, they all suffer um, euphoria as their heads explode. So he is the kind head exploder. But also, like, his I whole see. thing is um, he basically wandered off to, um, uh, what do you call it? He wandered off to basically become a Hokuto doctor. And, like, he is actually, like, set up in a village. He is healing patients. He is, he is like, the, the world-renowned healer. And that is He's the Jesus. Yeah, he he's Jesus. He's a magical he he can heal things that nobody else can heal. Um So also in, in one of the flashbacks when we were seeing, you know, young Rao and Toki and, and Yulia uh Yurio translations. Um his hair is black back then. Um I do wanna say I think that flashback is only about like five years prior. Mm. Um Toki is very sick because, um, so like the, the world war three that happened itself was only like a year or three ago or something like that. Mm. Like every, everyone, all of our main characters at the very least have like, were alive before the bombs went off. And the thing about Toki 
is at the shelter that everyone went to, the like latch broke on the bomb shelter door so he was just like everyone get in and then he just stayed on the outside and held the bomb shelter shut with his bare hands and then when he opened it back up he's like i'm fine i have white hair and all the radiation sickness now but i'm good um and that's why he's so sick yeah that's why he's totally rad oh i did it i made another pun oh no you got there <laughs> yeah i was gonna say like have you ever been so strong and so capable healer that you just survived direct exposure to lethal radiation mm-hmm. well i mean he probably poked himself somewhere in the secret pressure point that makes you resistant to radiation poisoning oh uh, yes that we've all forgotten mm-hmm. well, good you old know. toki toki gets Keeps you alive. Kills old owls. Pokey Toki? <laughs> yeah, the old Toki Pokey. Oh my god. Toki pokes you, and you, you know, you live longer. Survive radiation. You put your index finger in, you pull your index finger out. And that's what healing's really all about. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Yeah, okay, that's my, that's my abridged Toki. Toki the abridged series. I was going to say, we got to be careful using the word abridged around anime discussions. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I believe that brings us into the final episode that we watched, right? Yes. I mean, I know three of us watched it. Bob, I, I forgot Stinkin' Bat was in it, okay? I was so yeah, focused just... on a certain other aspect of this episode. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's it's a lot of things going on in this episode. No, this is pretty straightforward. Alright, the fourth episode we watched was episode 47, The South Star Waterfowl Fist's Dance of Death. I'll give my life for love. Aw. I'm not gonna lie, reading this title, I just imagine a duck dancing. (laughs) Uh, Swan Lake, yeah. 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 So, this is actually not a bad episode because we got a lot more introduction to Ray is way awesome because he is currently fighting I believe uh, against who we find out is Rao uh, mm-hmm. as you had mentioned it's uh, Ken's brother, adopted brother or adopted something brother. Yep. and Ken is trying to run get back there and say hey don't fight him but Ray they don't give no two poops because he is super strong he's like I'm going to fight you and even though people on the sidelines are saying, no, don't fight him, like, uh, Lynn? Lynn and Mamiya and basically every other. So, okay, here, here's my little headcanon. I think Lynn is a new type. Uh-huh. New type? I, I know where you're going and I think I see your line. Okay. All right. Good. It, she's either a new type or she is the uh, equivalent of the DBZ power scanner in this uh, universe oh. where those don't exist. It's one or the other. Did we ever find out who kills her parents? Because I just worked on the assumption that uh, Rao did. Um, no, never comes into play, I don't believe. Unless it's like in the I feel like she identified him hiding in on his majestic horse. Uh, anyway. I I, I think this is not the first time that they have encountered each other. This is just like the... the, You know, to jump ahead a little bit, this is the first major fight between Ken and Rao. Gotcha. So, Ray is like, 
I'm going to go all out because I need to save it, even though everyone's telling me no. He jumps in the air to attack Rao, and Rao's like, no, and just stops him. (laughs) A a muda, muda, muda occurs. You'll understand later, Bob. And Rao's like, he's attacking me with everything. He doesn't care if he dies as long as I die. Kind of just stops him. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, uh, Ray uses the... Okay, I practiced this earlier, but... uh, Nanto Kyukoku Omi Danko Saiken the South Star Ultimate Technique colon self sacrifice counterbalance fist. Which I don't I'm not sure if any of those are words anymore. Well they are words. I can't confirm this. Okay. Um So because of that, uh Rao changes everything and just kind of one punch guts him. Mm-hmm. He just throws his cape over well, his head. He's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bob, he used the most powerful Pokemon move ever. He used <laughs> cape. It was super effective. Just like the very fancy equivalent of pocket sand attack. Yeah. So, by that time, you know, with a couple distractions out of the way, uh, i.e. people trying to stop Ken from getting there and instantly exploding, mm-hmm. uh, Ken gets there and sees Ray lying on the ground. He's like, what'd you do? And so then we finally get the Ray, not Ray, Ken versus Ralph fight. Which they just kind of stand there and fart in each other's general direction for a little bit. <laughs> Jeez. Please, and it's called their aura. Oh, yeah, sorry. Bob. The, the blue versus the yellow. Bob, I will have you know, because this joke occurred to me, it is literally red versus blue. Is it red? Yep. So, now correct me if I'm wrong with my memory. Do they go flying in the air with their focus fight? Uh, Flying, no. Their aura is so strong that it starts sucking the air in around them, and there's a big, like, not explosion, but like, air... Explosion! It's a tornado. Yeah, and it it launches them into the air. Or they can fight. And the horse can be part of it. Exactly, because apparently, according to uh, Ken, that's an advantage. Because at first, Rao lays a strike immediately on Ken, but Ken eventually gets his comeuppance and is able to get a strike on because Rao doesn't realize that Ken's gotten so strong. Uh, and Ken's like, you'd be stronger if you were fighting on your horse, which I guess makes sense. You know, if there's anything I've heard, if you have the high ground, you win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Obi-Wan taught us that. Yes. So they continue fighting. Uh, and like I said, Ken was able to get a strike on Rao, but Rao's like, just so you know, someone hadn't saved you, I would have killed you by now. It ends up that Ray, thankfully, still alive, uh, had shot an arrow at Rao, which hit him in his leg, uh, and distracted Rao long enough because he had every intent of punching uh, Ken's heart out, but instead just gave like a little really strong dented push, which would have killed anyone. But a, a delayed release. It's like ten minutes later when he notices he's been punched almost completely through his chest. 
Well, you know, I hear taking an arrow to the knee does things to one's adventuring career. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially the episode. And then next well, time, no, no. find out what happens. Oh, you, I'm you, sorry. You what left out the important part. Uh, Ray's diagnosis. Okay. He has terminal three days to live. Uh-huh. Oh, yes. Listen, it, oh. this is what happens when you push the secret pressure point, Shinkeshu. Uh, it makes all of the blood erupt out from your body, and then you die three days from now. To be fair, that one guy had seven minutes. Seven, seven seconds. seconds. <laughs> so, you know, these things happen. Um, but, yeah, that's... Oh, it's, it's... I feel bad. I put in my notes, he has long-term Zappelli's. <laughs> Caesar Zappelli syndrome. This is this so remember how one of the uh like thesis statements of this podcast was not every anime is DBZ? Mm. I mean, isn't it though? <laughs> um, I mean we're we are visiting what the granddaddy of martial arts anime? Uh maybe of anime. I, I my knowledge of, yeah, of specifically anime. Like this period is super foggy, like but yeah, like like this is this is kind of the one you go back to. This is the touchstone. But yeah, just like for everything else that the show has been, like we like you know from that first episode, which is like oh, it's some sort of like okay, key is real, acupuncture is real, your meridian star chart of your body is real, okay. Um, but this episode is just like. Hey, have you ever been so bad, so mad at your brother slash rival for the ancient assassination art that your auras clash and create a tornado? You know, it's Looney Tunes nonsense, and it's great. And he's on the horse. He's on the horse. He's on the horse. Which uh, Mao? Uh, Kukuo. Kukuo. Oh. Yeah. All right. Some oh, notes okay. about this horse. Can fly. Humongous. Given the right uh, weather conditions, it's clearly made of air. This horse, horse received its own spin-off manga. What? <laughs> this horse is important. This horse has backstory. My understanding is the backstory is that um, Rao, like Rao, came across this horse and like. Went like Rao came across this horse as it was fighting to protect, I believe it's a her, um, fighting to protect her foal from some sort of you know bear or something. So, like, the introduction is just horse fights bear and horse wins, although the foal has been like you know, uh, far too wounded. So, Rao just walks up and it's just like. Like, oh, you are too strong for this sadness. Kills the foal, just like throws it off a cliff. And it says, you are, you are now free of the burdens of motherhood. You shall become my steed. Hey, if this if this spinoff is not called Hoof of the North Star, I don't want to know about it. I forget what it's called. But like, yeah, so, so the whole thing is like, Rao has basically... So also like... We, I forgot that he doesn't dismount in this episode, but like when he steps off the horse, the horse is still taller than him. Like the seat yeah, of the horse uh, is above his head. So Kokuogo is its full name, which means Black King. Um, <laughs> Are you reading what I'm reading? Yeah, oh. Wikipedia <laughs> describes it as an elephant-sized black stallion. <laughs> uh-huh. Because uh, uh, 
Rao is at least seven foot tall. Yeah. And Kokuo's, like, saddle is above seven feet then. <laughs> well, I mean, what is it? We had that, like, bear-sized tiger earlier. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, elephant horse makes sense. Oh, yeah. Um, But, yeah, the, the whole point is, like, Rao, like, Rao treats his horse with respect and, like, sees this horse as a peer because his whole thing is, like, um, like, a, I do not dismount from my horse because we, you and I, you, we are not, we are different. You and I are different. I fight from a horse. You fight on the ground. Um, but it's very much like this is his, um, uh, like skill test. It's just like if you, like if I can still, if you cannot show enough power. That you know you can defeat my horse while I'm riding on her, then you are not worth my time. That is like this horse. This horse is basically a lieutenant for Rao. It's just like no, no, no. First, if you want to talk to me, you have to go through my horse to prove you're worth my time. <laughs> so Rao will just say nay. Well, Kokuo says nay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh my god! But yeah, compl- the only thing that phases the horse because the horse knows what's going on. Again, the the most powerful uh, people, the most powerful characters in this story are those who like are the mo- have the most empathy and like can sense the most of other people's emotions. So when Ken shows up and is pissed, that is the first one to actually make uh, Kokuo scared. Um, but uh. Yeah, up in the air fighting. Uh, I do want to specifically point out that Ken uses. Hokuto Hichishi Shkenzan, the North Star Seven Deaths Cavalry Slash. You know, the Hokuto technique for punching someone off of their horse. The specific technique for that. Listen, if you're going to teach assassination, you, you got to be prepared for all kinds of assassination. I mean, horse assassination seems like a r- real niche thing, but you never know when you just got to dismount a fool. Oh, my God. And then Rao lands back on the horse, and the horse lands back on his feet, just like no one takes a knee in this tornado-located <laughs> yeah, encounter. That horse has, like, the strongest legs to not even, like, buckle a little bit after that landing. I've got to give it horse points for that. Completely mm-hmm. unfazed. That's all. That's I'm just I'm just putting that on the table for a little if, later in this show. If and not to get too silly with this one, but if this horse were somehow turned into glue, would that not be the superest glue? Oh. Assuming there were a process strong enough to turn this horse into anything but a horse, it would be that. that oh fuck! What's the magic card? That's like the the the. There's like the one that's the universal solvent that is the one yes. that's like the glue. The universal adhesive, I believe. Yeah, something like that. So is this horse the force? Of course. Of course. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate that. I was hoping you'd do that. Because this horse would then bind the universe together. It's that powerful. Oh, it's similar to our dear research gremlin. I finished reading all of the wiki on Kukuo. <laughs> and I need a manga. <laughs> well, Bob, you're in luck. One exists. Well, I, I was... Is it translated to English? I don't know. I don't I know. Somebody, somebody has translated it. Somewhere. I, 
but I in a in a later on episode near the end of the series, uh Rao does send um uh Kokuo to go pick up Ken and bring him to Rao so that they can have their final battle. So in a way, Kokuo Oh, just like in uh Well, Kokuo is a bonding agent because he brings the boys <laughs> together. Kokuo was setting the groundwork for Funsaiki to go to run later and drive a boat, start a motorboat on its own <laughs> to bring yeah. Domonkashu to Master Asia. I feel like Kokuo would just like walk across the bottom of the water. <laughs> uh, I I will one up you on that. I, I imagine Kokuo would just walk on the water. <laughs> this may be horse Jesus. There's. I believe canonically there's only four people who have ever been able, like, allowed to ride Kokuo by yes. Kokuo. Yes. Um, yep. <laughs> because it is Ken uh, to to bring him to Rao. It is uh, Rao. It is a kid from Fist of the North Star 2 who I I basically don't consider that show. I don't know. It, it, I got opinions about that. I'll get into that later. Um, Juza. And Juza. Uh, which Juza steals, uh, Kokuo. So, <laughs> hold on. That horse doesn't go anywhere it doesn't want to go, clearly. How do you steal it? Uh, oh, that's a whole storyline according to the Wikipedia. Yeah, no, oh my like, God. On, honestly, like, Juza is, like, after the Ray stuff, I, okay, after the Souther stuff, which is the first thing after Ray, I, I kind of, Got, I, I felt the show, the stories got a little bit weaker, but Juza is a very strong character because his whole thing is like he is like part of the Nanto General's uh, Royal Guard who kind of like was like, no, I just want to, I just want to, you know, go off on my own and just have like a, a nice life. Like he is Juza of the clouds. You cannot control him. He, he rides on the wind as a cloud would. Um, we're not even going to talk about Fudo the Mountain today, and that makes me sad. <laughs> but the thing about, like, Juza is possibly also, like, one of the most powerful of the generals. So it's like, Kokuo respects him enough that it's just like, all right, no, this this guy, this guy, this guy can hang. All right, I'll see you later. And the thing is, like, he steals, Juza steals Kokuo out from under Rao, um, at which point Rao is just like, well, now I have to stand. I will not walk. And basically the next two episodes is Juza just gallivanting with Kokuo and Rao just standing there waiting for his horse to come back. He does not move. He just stands. I don't believe Rao. I think he's atrophied his legs enough. He just can't walk more than like five, ten feet tops. Oh, I use some of that magic fart and he can get up in the air and go Well, he requires his right, brother to need, be nearby. You need a lot of leg strength to ride a horse. I mean, I, I get it. I get it. Well, I, 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 I realize my statement has a lot of fallacy to it. <laughs> I still call it his bluff. Sure. Uh, it's it's. There's a lot of good stuff in this show. Like I said, I, it was really hard for me to to pare this down to four episodes. And like, this is kind of the second time I've made like an abridged uh, Fist of the North Star selection that was basically let's focus on like some high points of uh, Ray's arc. So like, but there, there is like, if, if these are enough to get you in on it, there is stuff throughout the show that, that sort of harps on these same, like, you know, vibes and tone and same themes of just like, Oh, empathy, strong, the strongest protect, not attack. And, and 
uh, stuff I don't want to get into for spoilers for this 40 year old show. Wow. I'm old. So, Not as old as this show, Bob. Anyone who knows anything about the stars may have noticed that the scars on Ken's chest and the things they keep referencing uh is the Big Dipper. Um so major. does not in fact include the North Star. Oh that's right, it's the I did Earth notice Minor. that. Yeah. Right. Uh it points to the North Star, but the North Star is actually the tail of the little dipper. Um uh but yeah, so Hokuto literally means the northern later ladle, which is referring to the dipper constellation. Um and Toei's proposed localized title for the series was Ken, the Great Bear Fist, which puts a whole other tone on the series. Yeah, that's Ooh, yeah. That's Ursa Major or Minor. That's a totally different part of the sky. Um Yeah, so that's that. That was my that's always in the back of my head when I watch this series, but I don't mind it because the series is awesome and it doesn't really matter. Um, okay, so the thing about the other star they were seeing... Well, actually, uh, I just want to point out that there is a later uh, flashback episode to Ryukin where they do explain why, uh, like, why the court, the assassination art is um, uh, uh, aligned with the Big Dipper. Um, it's not just used for a name. There is a, a correlation that makes the art so powerful. Um, I'll... Oh, no, I believe that. It's just that it's called Fist of the North Star. Yeah, yeah. They so. translated it as North Star. Um, okay, but yeah, so the, the Death Omen Star. <laughs> Please tell me everything. Yes, okay. I, I did a, <laughs> this was part of a science project I did in like eighth grade, and it's still in my head because I love Ooh. star stuff. Um, okay. so the second star from the end of the handle in the Big Dipper is actually two stars. Um, and in even in ancient times, it was used as a sort of like eye test because if you could see two, like you had really good vision. Um, Wait, this and, is based on something real? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. There's, there's wow. two stars there. There's two stars there. Um, uh, the, usually what you see is Mitsar, but um, the Alcor is like a light year behind it and sometimes you can see it separately. I wonder how many people died after seeing it. <laughs> that part, I don't think, is historically accurate. Listen, I can dream. I need there to be a star out there that can literally be called the Death Star. <laughs> well, okay, no, hang on a second, because like, if it's a if it's a vision test, mm-hmm. um, and I I know this because I have hypertension, but when you have really high blood pressure, mm-hmm. it actually like the pressure changes the shape of your eyes and does affect your vision so if there's something to that where like if suddenly your vision gets way better it could actually be a sign of something going on with like blood pressure or something because mm-hmm. like think about that. like normally normally you know vision deteriorates over time so if it suddenly right. gets better that <laughs> is a sign of something i don't know what WebMD. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> you I need to stand outside tonight when the stars are out for no reason to test because <laughs> I too have the hypertension. <laughs> um, but yeah, but if you want to find the North Star by looking at the Big Dipper, uh, if you look at the the two at the front of the bowl part, um, 
and and follow them upwards, quote unquote, from the bowl, it, they just point like directly at the North Star, which is then the tail of the Little Dipper. Hmm. Huh. Mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. fun fact: the Big Dipper is not a constellation; it's called an asterism because it's part of a constellation, but it's still an identifiable collection of stars. Oh my god. I love it. Tell me your opinion of Cassiopeia. I like Cassiopeia. It's, um, it's a W. Yeah, it's a W. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could say Cassiopeia for the Hang, win. Hangs out hangs out uh, near Orion. Wait, mm-hmm. is Cassiopeia, is there any relation to the like word name whatever of Cassandra? Probably, because, I mean, she's another Greek She's a princess that got tied to a rock to be fed to the, um, uh, I forget which sea monster. Kraken. The Kraken, yeah. That's one dog. The one you released. And got rescued by Perseus? Correct. Okay, well, I I just bring this up because I I mentioned we skipped over a prison break arc. It is Uh the prison of Cassandra that they rescue Toki from. Oh, interesting. So, huh. Okay. Should be free. Ken is the Perseus of. Mm, I don't know nothing about Perseus. <laughs> oh, sorry. Cassiopeia is the queen. Her daughter Andromeda got tied to the rocks. Uh... And I'm just fact checking myself now on the. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, because Perseus got the Gorgon head to do the thing to the Kraken. Spoilers for ancient Greek myth. How <laughs> <laughs> sorts oh, of man? I've got to watch that show. next week. <laughs> Had an appointment to get my oral history done. <laughs> yeah, you gotta get your oral history checked every uh, six months by your local dentist. Uh, uh, oh my god, there's there's some joke with uh, uh, orthodontist oral history. Or no, I don't got it. I don't got it. It's there. You can you can figure <laughs> it out on your own home audience. Yeah. Do the homework. If you make it, send it to uh, Joe Phil an email address here mm-hmm. and we'll read it on air. Live. Uh, because deep, we're live. Deep in the weebs at gmail.com. Yeah, that is actually it. Yep. You can do Recorded that. Recorded in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> oh, we have a cat. Uh, no, she left. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> we had an audience. Um, okay. I, I guess we're in the final thoughts segment of the show now, huh? Yep. What what else what else do we want to talk about? Read notes and stuff. Uh we have to rank the horse. We have to talk about the opening theme song, which fucking rocks. Yeah, I oh, I feel like no. you're listening to this driving down the highway in like oh. a convertible or something with missing a top, make like a Jeep maybe, at like full volume as one does, and your hair also just becomes something from the eighties. Yeah. Can we talk about the horse first? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Bob, tell us about the horse. Coco's my new friend. Uh, still does not take number one, but definitely it's a strong number two. All right. Uh, silver with the foot on the gold. <laughs> this horse, and I blame it on Wikipedia. <laughs> uh-huh. I want to know more about the horse. Yeah, of I- course. Get, because you, 
after we all read the the spinoff manga, should we just revisit this ranking, see if it it bumps her up the one spot? I mean, is the manga about the horse, or is it just... Yes, it is. It's a before, uh... Oh... It is a prequel starring the horse. Okay. (laughs) Because it... uh, Kukua lives in a valley of wild horses. It is the strongest of all the horses. <laughs> and it has like horse it, horse friends that fight like off in, tigers. It's like in Breath of the Wild when you're like walking around, it's like, oh yeah, horses, and then you come across one of the giant Ganondorf horses. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, that one. <laughs> oh yeah, that one. Well, these things isn't like the others. Oh yeah, ten no how. So Conqueror uh, yeah. of the Heavens. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely a number two. <laughs> we still don't have ten horses. I think we're at five horses now, or six horses. We're we are at five, five horses. horses. Yep, with uh, two runners up. One's been knocked off yet, unlike our song list. <laughs> um, about this song. Uh, well, let's see here. Uh, four references. Uh, G Gundam was at eight, or currently sits at eight, and Neo Getter versus Shin Getter currently sits at six. For songs? Yes, for, for songs. Horses. I don't remember horses in those. Um, <laughs> mm, so this song. Uh, you really like it, Joe. Yeah. I am a sucker for 80s rock style stuff, so. Oh, for for me, uh, you are super awesome, and I love having you here. And I had such strong, big old vibes from this song; <laughs> it hurt me so bad. Oh, I wanted to sing "Big O" with it because oh, let's play the repetition game. Uh huh. I was like, mm, I'm so thankful for skip intro after the first time of listening to it. <laughs> Rude. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay, just for that, you have to go watch the first episode of DD Fist of the North Star now. DD Fist of the North Star? We'll tell you about it afterwards. It's incredible. (laughs) I have to put it in the chat. So anyway, uh, mm, to summarize, uh, we have a 1 through 10 and everything else gets knocked off. Uh I don't think this makes even 10. Oh no. Really? Uh, Wow. Wow. You, this goes okay. below Big O. Yeah, okay, put it, put it, put it right above Big O. Okay, that puts it at number nine. Uh, okay. Under G Gundam, above Big O, this knocks Yu Yu Hakusho off the list. <gasps> I thought you were just wow. Let's stay on there a while. Yeah, Bob, you're offending people left and right. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's like, oh, I don't even remember what they kept saying over and over, and you I'm like, oh, shock. shock. Yeah, it's actually called um, I Tomo Dorase, I think. Um, the name of the song, I mean. Yeah. The outro was better. The outro is pretty good, too. The outro is, is much more, like, low-key, uh, dramatic, standing on a cliff, overlooking the adventure ahead of you, or behind you kind of vibes. It, it's also yeah. good. Mm-hmm. You wish I... Yeah, like, I'm not going to hold anyone's music tastes against them, like... You like oh, it. no, I'm just giving him a hard time. <laughs> it's like, Bob, like, I am going to make your day, though. What's that? Horse manga has a horse anime. <gasps> really? Really? Yeah, so I was looking it up because, you know me, I like to start shopping for Christmas gifts early. I can't no find how. any. 
it, it's Legends of the Dark King, a fist of the North Star story. It has one season. Yes. Oh my God, horse O V A, horse O V A. <laughs> it has twelve episodes. Wow, that sounds good. Okay, we got. I'm trying to find if it's streaming. Yeah, we we got some some things to find. The oh yeah, there's a lot this. of supplementary material for this show. Yes. Do not watch the live action American movie without us there. I do not want to miss that. <laughs> incredible. Um, yeah. Okay. I, I guess. Um. Uh, how many stars? What's what's your ranking? And will you keep watching? Uh, yeah. How many fists in the North Star? Out of seven stars. Not... <laughs> out of seven stars. Uh, I can't say I will continue watching this. That's not a judgment based on the show. Because it looks like it has a lot of potential. It's also a lot of investment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, uh, just watch the, the the movie. The movie. I will probably watch the animated movie because it seems like it's a good show. Mm-hmm. I have nothing bad to say, and I think your highlights were great. But it also seems like there's a lot of highlights as well. Yep. Um... Yeah, there's really no downside shows. No, uh, you can skip a lot if you want to follow a certain storyline. If you want to know everything, there's, you know, one or two or a hundred and something episodes. <laughs> so, what is it? Uh, usually it gets listed as like 150 some odd episodes, mm-hmm. but only a hundred, like 90 something of them are actual like Fist of the North Star. The other 50 are Fist of the North Star 2, which is like, actually a sequel time skip there's stuff going on there like the story concludes with Rao mm. after you know a hundred some odd um and when I watched through this I I kind of watched it over the course of like two and a half years or something like that like um mm. it, it, it is kind of like you're saying like each each arc itself it makes a pretty good like self-contained story and like when I get into watching this show I am like it psychs me up and I can easily watch like eight at a time, just like, you know, cram and popcorn. This is a, this mm-hmm. is a good like weekend at home binge watch. Um, mm. But yeah, that being said, like, like uh, uh, you can't do that with the whole series. Like it's, it's actually not bad to do it like an arc at a time. Like, yeah, watch the movie, then watch the Ray stuff and then, you know, get into Souther and Shu and then get into meeting Fudo, the mountain and Jews of the cloud and, and all of that. Like, Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Did you just say Jews of the Cloud? Jusa the Cloud. Jusa! Oh, good. Um, <laughs> I'm so confused. Fair enough. Uh, but, like, it, because, it, so the thing is, like, it is very soap opera Like, especially that first season feels very repetitive, but everything mm-hmm. else is just, like, yeah, there's an arc, we're following this character, there's a lot of, like, repetition of information so if you take a break in between arcs it's pretty easy to to come back and and remember what people are about um the breaks pretty cleanly between arcs they just kind of like move on like okay now the characters you know are moving on to this part of the adventure dealing with this other thing um Mm. and it's uh uh it's like a, a good standby to have it's like a good like rainy day kind of uh long watch show uh, but yes, uh, starting off with the movie would keep it for me simpler. See if it hooks. Definitely, 
and I, I'm curious. I, I haven't actually seen the the movie, the animated movie. Uh, so the idea of like a condensed version of that first arc sounds super great. Gotcha. There's also like I think OVAs that are basically there's like a like chunks of the show. There's a three. Or I'd four say that's or... one of them. The Legends of the Dark King that we were referencing previously is one of the OVAs. Yep. From 2008. Yeah. Uh, there's Shin Fist of the North Star, which is uh, like a three or four episode OVA, which is like a little standalone story that I forget where it's supposed to take place in a timeline, but it's like a bottle episode kind of thing. Uh, there's DD Fist of the North Star, which is like a, it's a, it's a, like a, yeah, it's a Looney Tunes parody of the show. Um, like this show starts in the year, uh, 1990X, the earth was consumed by nuclear flames. DD Fist of the North Star opens with, in the year 1990X, the world was not engulfed in the flames of, of nuclear war. So it's like, oh, and it's just watching these <laughs> doofus meathead brothers trying to live in a normal world. And it's comedy. It's good. It's very, it's very silly. All right. I am interested in the horse. <laughs> horse is good. Horse is good. There's also a lot of video games. Oh, yeah. Listen, we can't start talking about that or we'll be here all night. <laughs> um, is it time to talk about what our next show is going to be? Also a lot of pachinko machines. Lots which you can play in the Yakuza games. That's true. Alright, then let's talk about what we will be watching for our next episode. Yes, Bob, I will give the audience a peek behind the curtain because it is a certain time of year. I've given you the option to Glad move day? forward... What's that? Flag day? Flag day. Yes, flag day. It is flag day. You know, you should take pride in your flag. And as such, when you fly your flag in this month of flags, we're going to give you the option, if you choose to, to go to adjust your statement you first made for this block, once you heard the other titles, of watching what was going to be your last pick for the season – you know, your save this for last to maybe move it up to coincide with the rest of this flag month. American flag? The show that you, we gave the tagline, Be Gay Revolutionize the World. Yes. Are you inferring that I may be gay? <laughs> Bob, I would never out you in front of an audience. I ignore the rainbow that's on my shirt. We're, we're just <laughs> saying the month is very gay. Ah, Yes. You can fly your pride flag. You do what you want. I'm going to be gay all year. Uh, <laughs> As you should. What was the taglines again? Uh, we have Be Gay, Revolutionize the World. And we have, man, remember all those classic robot anime? What if we did those two? That sounds like a good further on episode. I think in honor of the month of June. Uh, and gay pride, That's actually not just gay, gay pride, but pride uh, for representation of all communities. We'll go with that one. Heck yeah! So, Bob, you have chosen, and this this is one I've been really looking forward to you watching. You really? Because I know I've <laughs> I really have. This is Bob. This is one of my personal favorites. This is one of my personal top ten favorites, top five favorites, Bob. 
It keeps going up. Do I hear I know, top, well, three? I'm, top three? Top three favorites. I gotta really analyze the other four. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is one of those, it depends on the day of the week kind of brawls that is always going on. But I'm, I'm trying to just expound just how important this one is to me. And I want you to know that I really think you'll enjoy this. I'm really hoping you will. Cause I know you've heard the name before. I, I remember even telling oh, you kind of slightly about your Jojo. No, no, no. <laughs> Bob, I'm going to give you a real spoiler. Jojo is not part of season one. <laughs> Don't worry about season two. Uh, no, no, Bob, I, I have picked for you this title and you have selected it. It is Revolutionary Girl Utena. Yay. I'm happy because I need to watch more of this show. It's really <laughs> good from the bits I've seen. It Revolutionary is Girl. What? Utena. 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 Her name is Utena. U-T-E-N-A. It's what the Jawas say uh, in that scene in Star Wars. No, no. They, they bring up her sister, Utini. Yeah. Oh, that's it. Sorry. <laughs> her sister not appearing in the series. And don't worry, Bob. This is, and even for our audience members who might be interested, free on YouTube in both sub and dub. That's right. This is one oh, that you – Because – Canon should go watch, honestly. Yes. Yeah. Nozomi Entertainment – this is my little plug for them. Right stuff. Seriously, hit us up. We love you. Um, Nozomi's done a really good job of making a lot of their properties, uh, licenses free online to be viewed and are continuing to put them out. They have other titles on there that season two, don't worry about it. We'll get to season two. Don't worry about it. Not Jojo's. We'll get to. <laughs> Man, why did we even hang up that curtain? We're always showing behind it. <laughs> Listen, it's all about the misdirection. Cause when Jojo's does show up, he'll have thought it was something else. Not Dio. I'm trying to find a person oh. who has my voice. Oh. <laughs> that episode. <laughs> oh, that's okay. We can just use AI. Whoa, hold on. While I support the development of artificial intelligence, we don't need none of that nonsense in here. <laughs> no, because now I'm starting to think of what is the most appropriate show to do a gag where we sub out each of us with a different kind of sound-alike host. That's a good gag. <laughs> That'd be I'm great. Writing that down. I'm writing that down for a note. We'll revisit that. Or completely different people. Uh-huh. Oh, when does... Uh, I've had to have watched the anime and everyone's just going to be confused. When does April Fool's fall on a release day? <laughs> oh, jeez. We could always just force the issue. We have the power. But yes, Bob, I, I believe you're in for a treat. Uh, but th this is a Revolutionary Girl, Lieutenant. I feel fit, fit very perfectly for this month. And it's, uh, the celebration that this month in... You know, it's emblematic of that should be just part of our daily lives. And they're sword fighting. Th there is. And there's also tie-in to other well-known anime of the uh, peripheral variety. You know, I... I feel like we're having like a, a, a microcosm here of my experience with Utena so far of just like, this show is great. It is extremely like queer gay. And also I have no idea what else to say about it other than we should be excited for it. Nick, I'm happy you put it that way because that's essentially how it was pitched to me. Okay. There you, says, go. You, you want the, in fact, I will tell you the pitch I got, which was, do you want the best 
representation, especially out of the 90s, or to the point of the 90s, pre-2000s, of non-heteronormative persons in anime. This is for you. It's it's kind of oops all disaster lesbians. Okay, but while we think of the best way to introduce the show at the start of the next episode, uh, I'm going to say let's bring a close to this episode. Um, and thank you once again, everybody, for joining us. Uh, and we will see you next time. Chuck? Yep. You're already dead. To me? Deep in the Weebs is a show by Chuck, Nick, Joe, and Bob. Our theme music is Kawaii Friends by C. Cotty 3. You can find our show on YouTube or subscribe to the audio-only version on iTunes or wherever podcasts are served. I would like each of you to do your best attempt at reading these attack names. Uh, Chuck, please try reading this attack name. So, Hokuto Shenjukai Ken. Yeah. Okay. Um, Bob. Which, which, but you gotta tell us what the, that attack was. No. <laughs> you should know. Uh, Bob, uh, please try pronouncing uh, this attack. Announcing? Announcing. Aokoto Ayakuretsukan. Okay. Well, that certainly was a choice you made there, Bob. <clears throat> um, Joe, mm-hmm. please uh, do, take your best attempt at this attack name. Oh my god. What? Nanto Hey, listen, that's a passing grade in my class. <laughs>